This radio program is PG-13. Parents strongly caution some material may be inappropriate for children under the age of 13. Send me Jesus' mission was to comfort those who mourn, bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to captives, and open prison doors for those who are bound. For those who want more than status quo Christianity has to offer, Blazing Grace Radio begins now. And here is your host, Mike Janung. Hey, Mike Janung here, and welcome back to Blazing Grace Radio. Glad to have you along on this journey of life and this adventure And Merry Christmas, my friends. You're at war. So why would I say something like that? This is the time of the year when we see spiritual warfare shoot through the roof, especially against couples and marriages. And indeed, even this morning, St. Eaglin, who runs her wives' ministry, shot me an email with a list of people to pray for, and things are just going crazy right now with people struggling with a lot of different areas and marriages and strife and on the verge of even being separated or even divorced in some cases. And and the topic of spiritual warfare is one that often you don't hear about during the Christmas season. And you need to remember that before Jesus was born, Herod was already plotting to kill him. And then after Jesus was born, Herod was still wanting to kill him. And then when he that plan was thwarted, Herod went and slaughtered all the baby boys in Bethlehem. So that's brutal. And right now, this time of the year, the warfare is a lot higher. And so what has to happen is you have to first off realize that you are at war. And the thing that always shocks me is when so many people come to us for help and they they're not, they either don't even know there is such a thing as spiritual warfare or they don't know what to do with it and they don't realize that a lot of the thoughts that are floating through their mind of doubt and shame and discouragement and fear are not from them. They're from the satanic realm that is trying to destroy them or cripple them or render them useless and, and then if a marriage, if a husband and wife are not aware to the extent of the battle that they're facing, they can begin to think, my spouse is my enemy. Well, no, your spouse is not your enemy. Your spouse is a gift from God. But the enemy is trying to convince you that your spouse is your enemy. But if you're not aware of that, you can start squaring off against your spouse and end up fighting. And And before you know it, you two are screaming at each other. And you have no no idea what the heck just happened. You got to be sensitive to the spiritual battle and be discerning. And so, I want to encourage you, church leadership. You got to bring the topic up of spiritual warfare in your churches this time of the year. We can't just ignore that. Part of the message, the Christmas message, is peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Yeah, peace on earth, peace for peace and rest of soul for the believer. 
But right now, we're in an eternal battle that is ratcheted through the roof. So a part of our mission as leadership in the church should be to equip God's people to make them aware and discerning of the battle that is set against them, and especially at a time when it's intense. So there are some people who are going to be, I have no idea, no doubt, getting attacked to the point of the enemy is trying to discourage them to such a point they commit suicide. And this this is big-time warfare. And, and then if you talk to the wrong doctor, they put you on the wrong medication, then it can get 10 times worse and 10 times more confusing. And so now you're fighting a chemical battle along with the spiritual battle if you don't understand what's going on. So be very careful. <clears throat> if you're hearing a lot of thoughts like that, self-destructive thoughts or anything, you got to realize you're being assaulted. Most people do not wake up and say, you know what, I want to end my life today. The enemy starts piling that stuff on, and if you start agreeing with it, you'll put yourself in a very precarious place. So ask for prayer or reach out to somebody who understands. We understand these issues. I understand these issues. Um, Spiritual warfare is... (laughs) a part of my life and part of what we do at Blazing Grace is equipping people to be warriors and fighters and overcomers. So, yes, Merry Christmas, but my friends, we are at war and the enemy does not sit there and take the month of December off. He ratchets his efforts off because when everybody's under this illusion that everybody's supposed to be happy and joyful, Once you throw the word supposed to be or should in there, you just set yourself up for an expectation that is liable to come crashing down. So we have to modify our expectations to reality that we are at war. These are dark times, and we must arm and prepare ourselves to be fighters and warriors and prayer warriors especially. So you want to up your game with prayer these days. This is a big, big one. Churches need to become houses of prayer. I'm going to keep screaming that from the rooftop. That means during our Sunday morning services, we shut the worship band down for about 20 minutes and we hit our knees crying out to God for mercy. That means on an individual basis, we try and spend an hour alone with God every single day. We take our prayer, prayer walk to the next level. Prayer is where your power comes from Spiritually, you can study the Bible all you want, but until you hit your knees in heaven-rending prayer, you won't have near the spiritual power that that God wants you to have. And in these dark days, this is just so critical. So, my friends, let's go to war. And if you're struggling with any of the things you just heard me mention, please give us a call. The contact information is at the end of the broadcast. Real quick, our phone number is 719-888-5144. But um, don't wait if you're getting hammered hard. We have eight prayer groups. This little baby ministry has eight prayer, prayer groups going on during the week. And I think every church should have a prayer meeting going on every day of the week. So let us help you if you're struggling. So now I want to read to you a letter from a wife. She posted this publicly on our website on the blog. And I'll 
make some comments on some of the things that she says. And these are issues we see all the time. This is the real church under the hood. And so she writes, My birthday is coming soon. I've been married for over 18 years, and I'm thinking about my life. I got up at 3 a.m. I think God woke me up. I'm sitting in my closet reading my Bible and searching in the computer for help for some hope as I feel so alone in this strange situation. My husband is a pastor and an active duty chaplain in the military. I discovered his addiction to pornography about 10 years ago. Before that, I had my doubts for a while because he used to stay up until late very every night using his computer. <clears throat> the other signal there was a problem was sexual neglect. We rarely had sex, and that was only if I initiated it. So pause right there. What pornography does to a man or to a woman is it reverses the sex drive to the point where they yearn for and want to have, quote-unquote, sex with porn more than they want sex with their spouse. This is one reason pornography is so very dangerous. And I've sat in my office with a couple, and I've looked at the husband and said, you know, we need to move you toward having sex with your wife again. And they gave me a deer-in-the-headlights look like, what does that mean? That's how bad this can get. And I've heard... We are couples who haven't had sex for years. I think eight years was the record that I heard. So this is destructive just to the sexual relationship alone to a couple. And then she continues, I felt rejected and started to think it was my fault. And this is a big battle a lot of wives struggle with, that this is all my fault. If I didn't give him enough sex, if I wasn't the perfect wife, I didn't, if I didn't say the right words, and this is a part of the spiritual attack against the women, that this is your fault when she had nothing to do. She has no responsibility in this. She writes, to make matters worse, we couldn't get pregnant, and sometimes I blame him for not having been able to do it because of the very few times we have sex, but I have never told him that. By God's grace, we were able to adopt, and we have two little girls that we love very much. The first time I found him using porn in the computer was the most painful thing that I ever thought I would have to go through. It tears the wife up to see that her husband is viewing pictures of other women having sex while masturbating, while having sex with himself. It shreds their self-esteem. This is not just an innocent thing where it's, oh, well, he's looking at pictures. It it hurts the wife to her core. And then she writes, after that, my world crashed and broke in pieces, and I had to go to God in prayer. I didn't know what to do. My husband and I talked, and he broke down crying and said it was a relief relief that I had discovered this secret sin, and he told me about it and how it started when he was just a little kid and found a magazine his father had around the house. So let's park for a moment. There are a lot of young men, five, and and even daughters too, five, six, seven, eight-year-olds, and their first exposure to porn is going to be from their father. It should run shivers down our spine. 
to think that a porn habit could be so easily and quickly passed on to the next generation. So dads, if you're struggling with this, do not play games. Do not mess around. This is about one of the lies of the enemy. This only affects me. This only hurts me. Well, that that's garbage. You're tearing up your spouse, and at the same time, it's destroying your kids. And even if they don't stumble onto it, just from the neglect alone, it's going to harm them. And so, and I would also say that the average age that a man first got exposure to pornography who comes to us for help is eight eight. So you need to be aware, parents, if you kids are eight years old and you haven't had the sex talk, it's too late. You gotta go you gotta open this up to them now. Nobody wants to have a sex talk with a seven or eight year old, but we have to. And then she writes, amazingly, the Lord gave me compassion and mercy and I just decided to stand next to him against this enemy that had attacked our marriage, she's right on the money because the enemy is attacking both of them and trying to destroy them. We prayed together. He promised to find help and took some steps to install a program in his computer that would help with the accountability issue. Sadly, a couple years later, I began to have doubts again, but he came to me this time on his own after going to a men's group at church and told me about how he has been doing porn again for quite a while. Later, he had an accountability partner from the men's group, and we attended a seminar about it. And for the first time, I got the opportunity to talk to a wife of a friend of mine who's going through the same situation. There is going to be a lot of husbands and wives in your flock going through the exact same thing. And part of the problem is when churches don't say a word about sex, everybody assumes they're the only one. Silence in this issue is destroying lives and will continue to destroy lives. It seemed that everything was going well, but now I'm seeing the same signs coming back again of isolation and the way he's treating me and acting. I believe he was truly sincere and heartbroken when we had this conversation the first time. I know my, I should say, when we had these confrontations I know my husband is a good man, and I love him with all my heart, and that's why I hate this terrible addiction that has him in bondage to sin. And it is a bondage. It it grabs hold on them chemically, emotionally, and spiritually. Chemically, they get hooked. It messes up their brain chemistry. They can struggle with depression, anxiety, brain fog, and a host of other problems. Motivation at work can go right down the toilet. They found that when a guy gets off porn six months to a year later, his productivity at work shoots up. This has a profound effect on every part of his life. And she writes, There's also a lack of spiritual intimacy that I have never been able to figure out. My husband, a pastor, can preach and talk to others about God and even do counseling, but I long for the day we can go back to have that communion together as a couple with God. And this is because what pornography and any sin does is it hardens the heart. It puts a wall around it. And once your heart goes hard and cold, there's no way you can have an intimate relationship with God when you're doing this stuff. You're just faking it. And that that's what her husband is doing is he's um he's doing this on his flesh and it's easy to perform for people. 
I mean, I know how to perform for people, but it doesn't mean it's from the spirit. It can mean it's from my flesh, and that's why prayer is so important and holiness and a walk of purity is so critical. There are a lot of people these days that are doing ministry in the flesh, and they're just faking it, and they're showing up, but they have little in the way of connection with God, and there's there's little in the way of fire and passion. And where that fire and passion comes from <clears throat> is a deep, powerful prayer life. But if I'm full of shame because I looked at pictures of naked women and masturbated the night before, that's really going to mess up my prayer life. It's going to mess everything up. And she writes, I'm not just concerned about our marriage and intimacy, but most of all, I'm worried about his real spiritual condition. Think about the Pharisees for a moment. These are the guys that had to memorize the first five books of the Bible. I mean, when you're memorizing the book of Leviticus and Numbers, man, you're committed. I, you know, I, I, no, I just couldn't do that. But there are a lot of people who are like the Pharisees. They're ahead Christians. And in John five thirty nine to 40, Jesus was talking to the Pharisees, and he says, you search the scriptures, and it is these that speak of me, but you are unwilling to come to me that you may have life. Coming to Jesus and knowing the scriptures are two completely different things. So if you have a gift of oration or speech, yeah, you can preach a good sermon, and, and maybe God will even use it, but you could be just as hard and just as empty as, as one of the Pharisees were. And I've been in that place. I've been a head Christian, and it's miserable because you're just faking it all the time. and But she's worried about his spiritual condition, and that's very valid because if you allow yourself, if you allow your heart to go rock hard for an extended period of time, then anything can happen. And that is what's so dangerous about this. You can cross gender lines with the porn you're looking at, or you can even go as far as getting into child porn and mul- every week, multiple times a week. Somebody in a church is getting arrested for child pornography in the United States. So this is something Satan is using to capture people and destroy their lives at a horrible level. <clears throat> she writes, I'm willing to fight for our marriage and do what it takes. And this we hear from a lot of wives, that, and it, it continues to amaze me that you know, a wife who has hurt this much just keeps going and keeps going and keeps fighting and keeps praying. And I've said before that the wives are the key to the porn epidemic because they are the ones, when nobody else knows what their husband is doing, who's confronting him and encouraging him and standing by him when nobody else knows the depths of the truth. And so it is very critical that we, we don't forget the wives. We have to remember them. Their healing journey is just as critical as the husband's. She writes, I know my husband loves me and our girls very much, but I believe he is trapped in a very destructive web that could not just destroy our marriage, but also his career. That's where my loneliness comes in when you are a minister's family, because you don't know who to ask for help without jeopardizing his job. And then she writes, help please, with a bunch of exclamation points in the back of that. There are a lot of suffering people in the body of Christ who are crying out for help, but we're totally missing the boat because we will not 
talk about sex or porn or spiritual warfare openly from the pulpit. We got to get over this this comfort-driven mush and start equipping people to be warriors and fighters. So for the rest of this broadcast, I want to talk to you about a little piece that I mentioned with that letter that without a passionate love relationship with the Lord, um, we're just Pharisees. And Luke five fifteen to 16 says, However, the report went around concerning Jesus all the more, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. And I want to reemphasize, he often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. He went to the desert alone a lot. This was his sanctuary and maybe even his church. And you might say, wait a minute, he taught in the temple a lot. Well, yeah, he did. And he was usually fighting with Pharisees and the religious people in the temple. That's not what I would call a sanctuary. That's like work. So he goes alone to the desert a lot and he digs into prayer And I've made it a habit that I'll go alone to the desert once every two or three months. And I found this wonderful joy and power in silence and going to the desert. And I've discovered that when we go to the desert where there is nothing but desolate barrenness, God honors that. And there's something incredibly spiritually powerful about going there that you cannot find in church or anywhere else. And so last Thursday through Saturday, I went alone to the desert for two nights, stayed in an Airbnb, and left Thursday. And then Friday morning, something blew up at the office that demanded my immediate attention. And I wasn't surprised because this kind of thing arouses and gets the attention of the enemy. And so usually when I go to the air for, or go to the desert, warfare is a part of it because the enemy does not want God's people going hard after God in prayer. He's very happy to keep us going to church, uh, doing the things we do. But once you start getting serious about a prayer life, um, that gets his attention. So I was walking in the desert alone Saturday morning. And the other thing is about the desert, when you're, when you're walking there, you're basically stripping yourself of everything, of all the false crutches and props and distractions of life, of social media and emails and texts and all those things that keep us choked and pleasures and entertainment and stresses and attacks. So in the desert, it's just you and God. And so as I was there, God brought to mind... And I, and I was a bit overwhelmed from actually several months of a lot of um, warfare and events and travel. And God brought to me the words of Matthew eleven twenty eight, where he says, Come to me, all you who are labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. And I'll read it from Hebrews 4. There therefore remains a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. So my friends, this time of the year, what we don't need is more running around and burning out 
We need more desert trips. We need rest of soul. We need the rest of soul that only comes from a touch of Jesus Christ. He says, come to me and I will give you rest. He didn't say go to 20 Christmas meetings or festivals and do all these things. Not that you can't, but you want to keep the first things first, the most important things first during this holiday season. We all need God big time more than ever during these days. And I want to continue to encourage you, take a trip alone for one night or two nights, four nights, just to seek the Lord. It is, it is so amazing to encounter him in the desert, to hear his voice, be filled with his presence, and to know him. That, that is, that's what we're here for, is to know him. And then from that, he gives us missions and battles to fight. So my friends, Merry Christmas. We're at war, and let's keep going. Thank you for joining me, and we'll see you next time. Do you want to be free? Blazing Grace is a nonprofit international ministry for the sexually broken and the spouse. Please visit us at blazinggrace.org for information on Mike Janung's books, groups, counseling, or to have Mike speak at your organization. You can email us at email at blazinggrace.org or call our office in Chandler, Arizona at 719-888-5144. Again, visit us at blazinggrace.org. Email us at email at blazinggrace.org or call the office at 719-888-5144.